everyone, this is Matt, and welcome back to Food Under Fire, where we ask hospitality folk two questions amid the COVID-19 pandemic. How can we help you? How can you help us? I hope you've been feeling okay as of late. It's been a hell of a year, and many of us are kind of struggling with seeing what's next. We've faced not one, but two polarity-shifting events in just six months, the pandemic and the death of George Floyd both of which have sparked global panic and outrage, and at this point, a lot of us are just tired. In fact, we're not just tired, we're unhappy. And unfortunately, I have data to prove that. There's actually some research from the University of Chicago that's been getting a lot of attention recently, and it's called the COVID Response Tracking Study. Apparently, only 14% of Americans right now say they're very happy, and that's the lowest figure of that metric since 1972. And, as expected, half of Americans say that they're lonely and isolated right now, which for social creatures like us isn't exactly a good thing. I know it all sounds dreadful and not so great, but there is something that we should never forget, and it's that us humans, we are remarkably resilient. I mean, sure, these events can knock us down, but if you really look at history and how we have responded to events like these, I mean, think of how... Our ancestors, and even our most recent ancestors, have adapted their lives to the worst situations imaginable. Think of how you have adapted your life in this situation and how your routines have kind of fit into this new sense of normal. I biked over to Minneapolis last week to see some friends of mine, and they live in a neighborhood that was directly affected by the riots. They spent much of the conversation lamenting the senseless murder of George Floyd, and telling of the sorrow they felt when they watched their community burn to the ground. But soon enough, they began to talk about their neighbors and how they grew closer than ever with them after coordinating lookouts at night. They told me how wonderful it was to get to know the people around them and how this actually brought the neighborhood closer together. I talked to another friend, actually the subject of today's podcast, and he told me how the pandemic allowed him to rekindle and reforge the relationship with his wife and kids. The guy is so busy and hadn't had a day off in, well, maybe ever, but for once he was able to sit down, have a meal with his family, and cultivate a newfound sense of gratitude for the love they have for him. I'm sharing all these little anecdotes because what I'm trying to say is this. When we go through immense periods of pain and trauma, we always, always find ways to adapt and adjust. We create new models and take pleasure in those models when they reveal to us a new way to live our lives. So, with that being said, let's get into episode 9 of Food Under Fire. Oh, and one more thing. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you can keep up to date on new episodes of the show. And if you really like it, share with a friend or leave a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. This episode is a little different. Since starting the show, I've done all my interviews in my closet under layers of blankets and pillows. And can you blame me? I mean, since mid-March, we've all become increasingly trapped in our own homes, and for the sake of public safety, I've had no choice but to do my interviews over Skype and Zoom. But it's June, and even though the situation is not fixed, it's far, far from fixed, things are feeling a little bit different. The reopenings are happening slowly but surely, at, at least here in Minnesota. For restaurants, this process has been one of mystery and many unknowns. So I decided to see what it was like on the front lines of this reopening process. 
How does it feel? What does it look like? And who else to better answer these questions than my good friend, David Fema? There he is. Hey buddy, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. Of course, you're trying to fucking talk while I'm trying to fucking open a restaurant. Right. But you're the only one I'll talk to. Right. David runs a place called FEMA's Minneapolis in the city's downtown area and has plans to reopen on Wednesday, June 17th. It's a restaurant heavily inspired by his French Moroccan roots and is located within an absolutely gorgeous 1920s Art Deco building. I first met David during my food program at a Minneapolis jazz station where I interviewed the top chefs in town. Him and I really got along for some reason, so it meant a lot that he gave me an opportunity to kind of go behind the scenes and document what it looks like for a restaurant to reopen not only post-COVID-19, but during COVID-19. So, on Monday, June 15th, I took my handheld recorder and drove down to the city to talk with David about how he was feeling two days away from reopening. Here's what happened. All right, well, I'm in downtown Minneapolis right now on my way to FEMA's. Uh, Just a quick few observations before I keep going here. Um, It's an interesting atmosphere down here. I haven't been in downtown Minneapolis since COVID-19. I haven't been here since the George Floyd demonstrations. And it's weird. It's noticeably quieter here. There's kind of like a tired energy Um, lots of places are still boarded up not many people are out and uh, yeah it almost feels like the city is is resting it's just it's a weird surreal feeling so I'm getting closer to FEMA's now and another thing that I want to mention is I walked by a few restaurants earlier and yes there are already people crowding the patios Crowding maybe maybe isn't the right word because of the restrictions that are going on with with that. I mean, you can't really have two people, two groups of people seated next to each other outside. So it's kind of weird seeing things sort of return to normal. If, if that means anything, I'm not really sure what that means. <laughs> this is actually my first time at FEMA's, which is regrettable to admit because I had David FEMA on my show on Jazz 88 forever ago. Almost a year ago exactly, I believe. I'm not really sure. And I promised him I'd come, and I never did. And kind of a weird circumstance now of visiting him to talk about the reopening amid everything that's been going on. I eventually find the building and see a patio that's half put together caution tape, boarded windows. The restaurant was actually hit hard by looting during the George Floyd protests and repair was still ongoing. Is David here? I had like an interview with he him is. at one. If you want to just slip on through and sure. come on in. Okay. Yeah, he's, uh, I'm, not the, I'm not the guy, but somebody in there will okay. direct you. He might be right there. I walked in the building and literally froze in awe. I had stepped back in time. perhaps one of the most gorgeous restaurant interiors I had ever seen. Everything had that early 20th century Art Deco style. Very angular, emphasized line work on every surface, decadent chandeliers, chrome-plated lights, vibrant hues of maroon and emerald. It's really something you have to see to believe. 
As David later explains, this building had an illustrious history throughout the early 1900s. It's a relic of the Jazz Age and the Roaring Twenties, a time where prosperity and cultural advancement were unprecedented. After taking in my surroundings, I was led into the kitchen, only to find David in a corner table on his laptop, writing emails with an intensity reserved for peak service hours. We said our hellos, and I got right into it. Excellent. So, man, this is a crazy time. You're reopening Wednesday, right? Crazy does not begin to describe it. It's, 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 uh, I'd rather open a brand new restaurant than close a restaurant and reopen the same restaurant. Because you really don't know where you, where you, where you ended and when, and where you're going to start. You know, it's like you, it's almost like uh, starting a marathon in the middle of the race, but you still have to do 26.2 miles. It's going to seem even longer than that. But we're excited. We're very excited. Uh, excited to be back. Excited to um, cook. Excited to be of service. It's different, though. It's different. So, what's being done right now then to get everything set? Like, so what's the, going on? It seems like it's so pretty active. The number one thing we did. Uh, it was higher Ungerman construction and they went from top to bottom cleaned every nick and knack uh, every tile every ceiling light every piece of equipment top to bottom I mean have you seen a cleaner kitchen in your goddamn life I haven't it's, it's pretty remarkable and and they fumigated the whole place you know uh, that's what they do they make sure that I mean it's almost like it's like a hospital I mean, really, so we wanted to make sure we started from a, a base where, and the second piece is we eliminated all lockers so staff cannot bring in their stuff. They have to come in in uniform and leave with the same stuff. They have to wash their uniform daily and come back with it. And so it's really a, a process where, and then we looked at every faucet. We looked at every uh, drain. We looked at everywhere where there is a possibility and make sure everything was working and clean. We've turned every soap dispenser to being touchless. We turned into every paper dispenser to be touchless. I don't know if did you see the patio when you came in? How did, did you come I in? Did. Uh, yeah, through the patio. How does it look? Pretty crazy. It's crazy. It's a sign of our times. So the day Thursday when the when the protests and the riots started that was the day that we were all done with this and then that night the restaurant got looted I didn't even know you guys oh, got looted yeah. we got bro- restaurant got broken into glasses uh, I mean you came in the next morning it was like a flood of liquor all over the place so we had to do that all over the place so now if there is a nuclear bomb I am ready for it it doesn't get any worse. I mean, think about it. I lived in LA during the Rodney King um, protests and riots, and I never thought it was surreal. And to leave almost the same thing again, and we still are talking about injustice. So at the end of the day, we're gonna regroup, we're gonna come back. I don't know, we're gonna limp uh, along. I mean, our partners, the Timberwolves, Live Nation, all of those are all still dormant. But we're okay. But 
we, we are okay in a world that is not okay. It's a weird thing. You know, it's almost like, how do you celebrate coming back while all this aura of uncertainty, of injustice, and, and social justice is happening? It's almost like, it's almost like being married while you just lost someone. You just don't know which emotion to deal with. Um, so, but you know, if there is one thing that can help is food and booze. And we got both. Right, yeah, always helps, <laughs> always helps. Uh, so that's, you know, that's our, but we, you know, it's a different world today. Um, it's gonna be um, interesting to see how it evolves. We are expecting the worst, expecting that this won't work and, and people get, you know, n that COVID-19 gets worse and, and are prepared for it. But we're hoping that it won't. We're hoping that uh, Minnesotans are pretty good about being responsible. You know, that's a good thing about Minnesotans. Um, and that it just gets better and better and um, got a new menu. What a menu. And it's a menu that is congruent with what's happening right now. You know how people during these last three months have cooked at home. So when you cook at home, your main focus is two things, the quality and the flavor. You're not spending all the only time you have on trying to make something foo-foo. So we have taken that to heart, Com comfort, flavor, but also making it look really awesome. Went back to my roots. I mean, pretty much this menu is foods my mother, my grandmother made from the Sicilian side, from the Spanish side, from the Moroccan side. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be really, uh, there's a lot of melancholy. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of heart more than usual into what's happening right now. Uh, there's much more, we are much more aware. This is no longer about our ego and pride and wanting to be the best chefs and trying to, hey, I am better than you. This is really about going out there and, and really creating an experience for the guests because they're, not, they're still not gonna go out seven days a week or three days a week. And if they go out, it might just happen once at 50% capacity while you still have 100% of the expenses none of us are going to make money it's right now the equation is how little can we lose while holding on tight until it gets better well tell me about the menu specifically what are some of the items so you know i grew so my mom loved to make a potato leek soup but then she would have a lot of potato left over she would take those mix them with herbs with all kind of protein. It could be fish, it could be la it could be um, meat. And then dip them in an egg wash, dip them in flour, fry them, and serve them with risa. And you had these cakes, so I give it my twist, lobster potato cakes with an risa aioli. And served with pickled berries. Because why the fuck not? Okay? <laughs> Um, escabeche. I don't know if you've heard of escabeche. Escabeche no, is a classic old school dish, which is basically 
marinating all kind of vegetables. It's very Spanish, but I'm doing it in, uh, in saffron. Marinating all that stuff in saffron and vinegar, letting it pickle. And then I'm gonna top it with prawns that are sauteed with an orange mustard glaze. Fresh, clean, um, doing paella. You know, I never thought I'll do paella. I grew up on paella every freaking Sunday. Um, uh, a beautiful um, watermelon, fruit, tomato, spicy gazpacho, uh, cucumber tomato salads with that Persian rice with saffron. Um, things that are fresh, clean, hearty. Um, you know, uh, doing some uh, free-range chicken marinated in yogurt and crusted in herbs, baked and served with french fries. Uh, so this is sort of a little bit of a, I'm not gonna tell you the whole thing, you have yeah, to come no, and yeah, get don't it. Spoil it. I yeah, just, no. yeah, I just wanna know the Doing, highlights. You know, you know, making Moroccan donuts served with ginger ice cream, macaron ice cream sandwiches with banana ice cream, um, uh, doing some crepes uh, that are going to be flambéed with fresh berries at the table. The bar has been... Hey, uh, Thor, yes. give me one drink that we're doing at the bar that you're excited about. Um, we're doing, like, that's just your opinion, man, where we're remaking the classic cocktail of a white Russian, but we're doing it as a milk punch with brandy. So we're pulling out all that curdling garbage after using a little bit of condensed milk and some yeah. of our espresso beans. So it just, I wouldn't usually suggest a white Russian for the summertime, but once you take out all of that other stuff, it's just a smooth, refreshing Wow. Beverage. I love it. That sounds amazing. See, I could have not explained it that way, you know? I, uh, That's so, a good sales pitch. Thank and, you. And we are doing, we have a huge takeout menu. So we are open lunch and dinner. But lunch is takeout curbside only. Okay. And we're going 100% bistro style. Mm. Croque monsieur, croque madame, uh, uh, banh mi, salad niçoise. And we're doing breads to go as well. We're doing kits. So if you wanted to make bread at home, we'll give you the flour. We'll give you a 130-year-old starter. We'll give you the recipe and you go make it at home. If you wanted to make a drink, we'll give you the whole kit and you make it at home. So we are... We, we are cognizant of what's going on. You, you, we are going to have three types of clientele. People who are just not going to go out, not going to do takeout, not going to do anything. Totally respect that. You're going to have people who don't care. They're just going to go out and eat. We're going to make the place safe for them regardless. But you're going to have some people who just want to do takeout. So we ordered these beautiful compostable plates and, and plants. One of the things that I hate about takeout, by the time you get home, it's not very good. Or the plate that you have it in this really terrible box. Yeah. He then took me to show off some of their fancy takeout containers. I mean, I want you to come home, open the box, and it looks awesome. So, you know. Oh, very nice. Look at that. Or if you have your salad, it's ready to go. You just open and eat. Right. You know? And in the middle of this, he taste tested their tabbouleh, which is a Middle Eastern vegetable salad. It needs, it needs a lot. It needs to be very wet. Oh, there's no lemon juice either. It needs lemon, lemon juice. Salt, pepper, yeah. more cilantro. 
but I couldn't wait any longer. I wanted a tour of the dining room and a sneak peek of how they were approaching the new style of service. So the restaurant, uh, when we, you can still see when we got looted, they broke in through those doors. These doors were shut, they just got repaired, they came in. All that stuff was on the floor, was, it, was, it was heartbreaking. So we just got done with the cleanup and there is no better space if you want to be socially distant while still have a great ambiance they have. Look how every table is completely separated. If you sit there and he sits there, I mean, it's like 10 feet. We are blessed with a big, big space. Each one of these booths has its own private. We call them kissing booths. Kissing is required. We don't serve you unless we see you kiss. Um, and then we have upstairs. Let me take you upstairs a right, little bit so you can get a view. I mean, it's, it's, it, this is like a 130-year-old Art Deco building. So we go upstairs and get a view of the whole restaurant. And it's from here that you really grasp the incredible symmetry of the place. The bar, the chandeliers, the tables, they all seem aligned so perfectly. I mean, you can see, you can have a feel of the history in this place. The middle of this restaurant used to be a soup kitchen. During what period was that? Late 1800s, early 1900s. Oh. Right, can you give me a quick rundown of the history of the building? So it was first... So the building was, uh, it was first, it was not located here. It was located a few blocks away from here. And it was same, uh, same, all these finishes and everything. And it um, was a theater. So the theater was here, you know, people, you know, walked up. Then after World War I, around World War II, it shut down. Somebody had the presence of mind of tearing it apart piece by piece and storing it. In the late 40s, early 50s, somebody found it and put it back together piece by piece in this space. And it became... It was a soup kitchen, then it became a, it was a disco place called Scotty's. It was Goodfellows, which was a great, awesome restaurant in Minnesota. It was uh, the Forum Cafeteria, it was El Foro. It was a lot of different adorations, except for Goodfellows, which lasted a long time. They all sort of like came and go, uh, and us now, and us now. So it's really a privilege to be in this space. It's almost like, you know, where the cemetery where Jim Morrison is buried in Paris. You, 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 you almost like go there and open a bottle and you cheer to him. It's a reverence. You respect the space and you respect all the people that were here before you. And I just believe that this is our own, our time and our own turn to be caretaker of the space. And hopefully when we're done with it, somebody else, another young chef will come in and take care you know, take care of it and, and do it justice. And hopefully they have nice words, nice things to say about us. Yeah. Well, I think that's what makes the break-in really heartbreaking too. It's kind of like they defiled the sacred space. It, it's, it's basically, to me, it's like going into a church and defiling it. I mean, this is uh, uh, the morning of when I came in. That day, our cleaning company and our, and we were just done with construction and repairs. So we could open the next Monday because that's when the governor came up. And that night, we, so we shut it down. That night we got booted and I had to start all over again. Wow. And it was, 
I mean, my emotions were all over the place with it. And, you know, and, but look at it. We, you look at the place right now, we're recovered. I mean, we are not whole, we will never be whole. It will take forever to recover from this. Uh, I told my son, you know, it's his turn now. He's got, he's got to build it. I, it's, I mean, you know, uh, but there are so many restaurants out there that either through COVID-19 or through the, the unrest that we've had in our cities will never be opening. And these are, most of them are family businesses. Most of them are minority owned. Most of them are family owned. And that, that is where my heart breaks for that. I mean, you know what we're doing, I think, with North Stands, raising money for the industry. So we pivoted and we're trying to raise money to help restaurants. Like my wife goes, charity begins at home. You need to help yourself first. I said, you know, it's, we do, but I think we can do both. I think we can do both. I, I think we can open our place and also try and help other places open as well. So that's what we're trying to do. I don't have any answers, to be honest with you. I thought I've seen it all. An old fart like me, I thought I've seen it all. Yeah, you've had quite a life. <laughs> you know, I've had more success than 10 chefs will have in a lifetime, and I've had more challenges than 20 chefs will have in a lifetime. Um, and, I, and, and I've survived so many different things and thrived because of them, and I learned. But my dad used, my dad used to say, if you want to travel, you have to be willing to dig in shit. So I'm getting my hands dirty all over You're again. You're digging. I'm digging again. You're digging. I'm digging. Well, I, I, I can see how you are now, but how, I mean, how have these last few months been for you? I mean, I haven't talked to you in so long and I haven't really touched base with you. I mean, what were things like in those initial weeks for you? I, I've been cooking a lot with the family, doing a lot Good. of cooking videos that we've got so much great feedback from, and I don't want to stop doing that. So we're going to have a live camera. So if you are in the restaurant, you can go live on our website and see us cooking all day long. So it's going to be, I'm going to be doing some cook, more cooking, more cooking stuff that I see people liking. And until they stop liking it, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing that. But I can't lie to you. I loved being with my kids. I've never had a Saturday night off. And all of a sudden I have like 15 in a row. What the heck? I've never had a Friday night off and I have all these in a row. So I love being with the kids. I love being with my wife. I love, but I missed being in here and I worry to death that the more this goes on, the more we won't be able to come back and seeing restaurants one after the other announcing their closures, some very good reputable restaurants. Actually, to me, all restaurants are good. You know, I'm not one of those guys that puts a restaurant in a category. I understand what it takes to open, to turn the lights on in here. And anybody who has the guts to do it, my hats off go to them. So that's where the critics and I don't ever agree on. They don't understand what it takes. And I hope that the critics today, more than ever, are aware of what it's like. And they are missing those restaurants that they were so critical of before. I hope that they get you know, what food is all about and what it, is, what it is that they thought was important. I hope it's no longer important. And I hope that today what's important to them is that you have people giving their heart and soul in the kitchen about getting you a plate out there that you can enjoy. I hope that we have a better awareness of it. 
but you know, it's it, it's like it was like Minnesota weather. I don't I did not know if I was going to wake up and cry or wake up and smile. I did not know what the day was going to bring. I did not know, uh, and I still don't know. And I still I'm anxious about it. I'm still our our partnerships with Live Nation, with the Timberwolves. That's all not happening yet. It was a huge part of our business. What we're gonna do? Yeah. You know, you know, like when you worry about something that's gonna happen in the future, what do they say? You wind up doing it twice. When it happens and now, I'm done. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge then. Right. Well, you're reopening Wednesday and we'll see where things go. I mean, that's exciting. exciting we are very optimistic and we are, uh, I'm excited to see the staff back. I'm excited to see, uh, uh, but we have to be, we have to do it in an environment that is safe. We want, we want to be responsible. Uh, you know, pre COVID-19, you opened a restaurant hoping you could make money. That was worst case scenario, best case scenario, excited about making money and feeding the community and doing some cool stuff. Post COVID-19, you're opening a restaurant knowing for sure you're not going to make any money. That's crazy. How many businesses yeah. do that? How many businesses know they're not going to make money and still do it? We are messed up. Uh, but that's what we do. Yeah. Well, on a thing to end on, what can you tell potential patrons who are maybe a little bit anxious about coming in? Maybe they love FEMAs, but they're still a little bit, you know, traumatized by everything that's happened. What do you, I mean, what do you tell them? Well, I, I, like I said, I, I tell our customers, any customers, if you don't feel safe, we, I get it. I get it. I mean, it's a scary thing. We don't judge it. Uh... We're not open because we think, despite of the safety precautions, we're open because we think it's safe. We're open because we have taken more measures than the CDC is requiring, government is requiring, health department is requiring. We happen to think, and we have the luxury and the blessing of have one of the largest space where you could literally put uh, a lot of people in here and still be so many so much socially distanced but with all of those precautions if people don't feel like it's safe for them to go out we get it when when they're ready we're ready for those of you who are ready but want to make sure just get on our website click on it and you'll see us live in our kitchen i think that will tell you a lot about who we are and and for those of you who are for those who are crazy out there who are who just want to go out Please be safe, okay? Please be safe. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. You it's, know what, buddy? It's such a good way to catch up, and I'm glad that you're staying optimistic amidst everything. Uh, thank you for giving me the platform to talk about this. You've, I love what you do, and I love how you do it, and I love uh, what, how through your work, you, I can see your heart and soul in our industry. So... We need that, and we greatly appreciate it. Not yeah. only me, but I'm sure everybody in the industry. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi there. Thanks for sticking around. 
and I hope you enjoyed that change of pace. I had a lot of fun seeing David, and although I wasn't dining, it just felt nice to be inside a restaurant, which I haven't experienced for months. Anyways, if you're in the Twin Cities area, definitely check them out, whether that be in person or through takeout. Details for that will be in the description. If you liked this episode, let me know. Follow me on Instagram at Matthew underscore Gundrum or search the podcast's official page on Facebook at Matt Gundrum Eats with no spaces. If you enjoy the content, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that you can keep up to date. And if you really like the show, consider sharing with a friend or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So yeah, that's about all I have for now. And as the weather gets hotter and the sun peaks beyond the clouds, I can only hope that you are getting outside and enjoying time with your family or on your own. During such an apocalyptic year, getting active has been such a godsend. Or maybe you're especially engaged in other hobbies, maybe indoor ones, or maybe you found new ones. Either way, hang in there. See you next time. Take care.